0: Welcome back to the Y2K Prop Universe, and I am your host, Justin, and today we are going a little bit further back, even pre-Y2K, we are going into the 90s, and we are going to talk about, hi, see ya, yeah. hold tight, the freaking Spice Girls, yes, I, um, if you don't know the origins of this podcast, I was on a walk, I was listening to Jessica Simpson, And it just hit me to do a breakdown of like Y2K-pop and things like that, right? And so it just so happened I was on a walk earlier this week. And I needed just some new music to listen to. But like nothing was really clicking with me. And for some reason, I wanted to listen to the Spice Girls. Um, And then I was like, well, let me listen to their Wembley Performance from the Spice World Tour in 1998 as some motivation. I was feeling kind of sluggish this particular morning. And I mean, I've always loved this concert. I've watched this concert on original VHS that I still own. Um, I watched this multiple, multiple, multiple times. Um, great concert. And so I was like, let me do a breakdown of this. Um, it just hit me. It hit me like a a pair of platform shoes <laughs> because I've, I think this concert, even though it only has four Spice Girls, this concert is probably the best one of that whole tour. Um, let's just go back in time. But before we do all that, typically on this podcast, um, what I do is talk about 2000s pop Um, uh, last week I mentioned that there was not going to be an episode and I was looking for some ideas and I still am looking for some ideas in the future to get back on my usual schedule, but I wanted to do something a little different because I didn't want to get bored of just reviewing 2000s pop because I feel like there's so much stuff that I experienced, um, that shaped my musical influence and I know you might be thinking well not if you listen to this podcast I think if you listen to this podcast you get it but a lot of people would be like why you know you consider a lot of people would be surprised how seriously I take the Spice Girls um, as musicians and as talented uh, owners of their craft. Um, if you don't know who the Spice Girls are, which, like I said, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do, but, you know, they were put together just from answering an advertisement in a, a newspaper, and but they eventually took control of their own careers, their own sound. Um, they had a much more softer image uh, while they were in uh, development. I think they were called plush or something to that effect you know something very like girly kind of like mysterious Um, but they eventually changed their name to the Spice Girls and they used to wear like very matchy matchy outfits but they decided to carve out their own personalities they separated from their management at the time and they connected with Simon Fuller who they will eventually get rid of um, as their career explodes, but, um, yeah, that's the Spice Girls. And they came out uh, with wannabe, um and then the rest is history. I mean, they have published multiple autobiographies, um, so we can always cover those as well. Um, but yes, so this concert that I'm particularly reviewing today, this is the Back in Britain series. It was at the end of the Spice World Tour. Now, the Spice World Tour started in. 1998 and when you think about it the Spice Girls were at their highest highest peak for only about two years and it's kind of wild to look back because they made a movie they went on a world tour and they recorded two albums there were dolls which I have yes I do um they had multiple multiple hits and they did all that within a span of two years And they imploded in two years. Um, Not necessarily, I mean, you know, not that the third album without Jerry forever doesn't count, but I mean, this was like a worldwide phenomenon. And this was a worldwide phenomenon in a time when there was like barely any internet. You know, the internet was still very, very new. Um, And so this was their first world tour. In fact, they had never really... Gone on tour. They had never, you know, much like Ashley Simpson, you know, they did not do a club circuit. They were not, you know, grinding away performing all these live shows like a lot of bands have to do to get noticed. But um, so this was their first world tour. They had only ever done stuff like British TV shows. And then eventually they did like, um, they did Saturday Night Live, which was their American debut in 1997. Um, So they did very, like, one-off. But they had never done a full concert until they did a full concert as, like, I think it's, like, a test run in 1997. Also a really good concert. A lot of the elements that were used on that one-off concert are used on the tour. Um, But that was, like, their first concert and their first, like, I guess big live performance um, as, like, a, a stadium or an arena. So... They never had done openings. I mean, they just went as headliners, which is crazy. Even Britney Spears was an opener. Christina Aguilera was an opener. Um, they just were headliners from the gate, which is so wild. Um, so the the Spice World Tour, this is starting right after the movies come out in America in 1998. Um, they start in Europe as a five-piece. When the European leg is over, Jerry quits. We're not going to get too into it, but it was the worst moment of my life <laughs> as a child. Actually, I don't know if I was too affected by it, but it did suck. I don't remember. I just remember it did suck. It totally sucked. Um, so they performed the U.S. leg without Jerry. And um, they were just pretty much miserable the whole time in America. I'm pretty sure they were miserable because of Jerry. Um, And then they were also miserable because like this is like the culmination of two years of nonstop work. Like they have not had a break. I mean, they filmed a freaking movie and recorded an album at the same time. Um, So... By this point, they are, like, beyond burnt out. Now, some people say Jerry left because her and Mel B had a relationship and they broke up because she did. she's pregnant on this tour, and so is Victoria. Um, so they're saying that maybe it was that. I personally think, I mean, not that I don't believe it, but I think that they were just freaking burnt out. Um, and so there's even a tour documentary, Um which is like two hours long and they're just miserable the whole time. And they're not like pretending to be happy. No, like the, the, the whole tour documentary, it's like spice in America or something like that. Um, the whole point is to show that they're miserable. Like they're, I mean, I don't think they had a bad time and I might be speaking a little bit hyperbolically, but, um, they were pretty miserable in America. Uh, <laughs> they, they very much let it be known that they, they just weren't used to the culture. Um, and I really do think a lot of it was because of burnout. But these specific sets of shows that I'm about to cover, the tour ends in America in around August of 1998. It started, let's do a quick note check because we are accurate on this podcast. It started in February of 1998. So this is a long-ass tour. How many shows? It was 97 shows. That's a freaking lot of shows. Holy crap. 56 in Europe, 41 in North America, 91, uh, 97 total. And it is still... The 1988 Spice World Tour remains the highest-grossing tour ever by a female group. And I'm reading this as of July 2023. So really, really impressive Um so this tour lasted for a very, very long time. And so it ends in August, 1998. They take a break. Then they come back in September of 1998 and they do a special series of shows at Wembley Stadium. Um, it's four shows and they played at over 150,000 150, fans uh, across these four shows in September of 1998. And it was filmed. And I think it was shown, like, on a pay-per-view channel in, in the UK at the time. And then it was filmed, but it was also released uh, on VHS and later on in DVD. Uh, I got the VHS at a Best Buy, and I remember, like, not expecting it. I don't remember when I got it, but I do know it might have been 1999, maybe, or maybe later in 1998. But I got the VHS. Um, this was around the time that Britney Spears' mania was kind of bubbling uh So it was, like, this was the precursor to um, Y2K-pop. The Spice Girls were, along with, like, Hanson, um, but the Spice Girls really, really brought pop back into the discourse. uh, Like, very poppy pop. Um, And so it's kind of amazing to see like the transition went going from the spice girls, uh, to like, to Brittany, which was what my natural transition was. Um, so I wanted to cover this specifically because I wanted to change it up, but also I think that the spice girls to this day, um, are still kind of like looked at as like fun, but you don't want to take them too seriously. But, I think this show is fantastic from the beginning to the end um, and it's very organic. Nowadays, um, shows are very like theatrical. You know, there's all these props and moving screens and all this. This is just a show. Yes, they had screens but it was literally just the girls on the stage with an amazing band. This band is incredible. They worked with this band their entire time, from like the from like nineteen ninety seven ish probably to around the end of this tour. Um, incredible, incredible, incredible band. Um, just amazing production, uh, amazing musicians. Just uh, I love percussion, and the drummer on this tour and the percussionist on this tour were just out of this world so along with just having a very simple stage setup there were dancers but there was no like you know crazy theatrical moment it was just the girls being themselves and also as a four-piece they do really well this is the happiest they look in a long time they're happy to be in britain uh i think they really do work well together as a as a as a four-piece um And you can really see that. I mean, the show starts off with uh, the Spice World uh, spaceship touching down. Um, The audience is going crazy. The stage is different from the normal tour. Or I don't know if this is just because it's Wembley Stadium. I think they were playing arenas. But this is a stadium show, so it was slightly revamped. There are multiple set list um you can watch some of the first shows with jerry in them but i will tell you they look awful they look miserable which is pretty cool at least we have something kind of old from the 1998 we have it digitized and it's on youtube but you can find those shows with jerry but i'm telling you now they're terrible like they just all look so awful they probably were just fighting this is specific special which is called uh, back in Britain Wembley Stadium they look amazing they look happy they're probably happy that this tour is almost over Uh, so many things here (laughs) but they just start off with if you can't dance the spaceship on the video screen touches down the alarms start blaring and slowly but surely the girls emerge you see their silhouettes and then the song starts It is one of my favorites by Squirrel's albums. Oh, I was going to say songs, but albums as well. Keep in mind, they're touring off only two albums. And even the non-singles are really, really good. And so this is definitely one of my favorite openers of theirs. Uh, They just look great. I love the attitude in the song itself. Uh, The song definitely does sound more industrial and harder live. Um, Keep in mind when this song came out on the first album, which was released in 1996, it's got definitely more of a mid-90s sound now that we're seeing it live. It's definitely a lot more harder, more industrial. Once again, the band is doing an amazing job on this. And it's just the girls on the stage. Uh, Let's see, outfits-wise... These intro costumes changed quite a bit over the tour. They were still kind of generally the same, but these they do look a little bit different. Um I like Emma's cute little blue and pink dress Gosh, she kind of looks like a uh like a power ranger <laughs> i guess so. um they all kind of look like power rangers they all have like these like metallic outfits on uh hints of ma- metal in there um there's some great audience footage i think some you know like sometimes some of the audience footage they show in like concerts is so like blah they get some really really good reactions people are dressed up as the spice girls uh Victoria is smiling like crazy in the show. Her and Mel B are pregnant um They make a lot of references to that throughout the show they 're just having such a good time uh They did open with if you can 't dance typically um it is a great opener and on the song on the album it is a the tenth track, but they use this as an opener and I love that it just sets the tone. Um, they just look great coming down the steps and, and just announcing their, uh, arrival. And interestingly enough, they do use Jerry's Spanish rap. There's a Spanish rap on the song that she sings. Um, but they use her, they use her vocals. They don't edit her out. All they do is they just redistribute the vocals a little bit. Um, but they sound all great and they're just putting on a show melcy is into it melcy is on fire this night she kills it she looks absolutely beautiful i love this out i love her lime green she's wearing some lime green shoes with like some beige no know beige gray uh, gray trousers this is just a great contrast of color which i love um but yes, they all look really good. They're really feeling it. The crowd is going crazy. Great opener. Just awesome. Mel C is in the zone. I cannot um, emphasize that enough. And then we move on to another classic, which is Who Do You Think You Are? And that one has a great intro as well. It's. Got, it's I've always tried to find this vocal snippet. You have to work to get this through. The description of this version of Who Do You Think You Are, it says it contains elements of Supermodel and diva, which uh, diva must have been, according to Wikipedia, it was a Peter Rawhofer song um, and Supermodel, obviously, by RuPaul, but there is that great intro. Uh, it's got to be RuPaul that says, you have to work to get this good. Oh, come on. And so, okay, at this point, they're showing the names on the screen of a Spice Girl, and then they cut to a video of her dancing. It's just a nice little hot intro. It is so, it, it's giving. Period. Um, this this intro is just so. It's such a great transition from a very serious opener, very much like in your face opener. Now we're getting camp. We're having fun. That's what all the Spice Girls are all about. Uh, this is definitely one of my favorite Spice Girl songs of all time, if not my favorite um this is definitely one of my favorite performances of theirs they just kill it on this once again the happiness is oozing from them um it's still just them uh dancing it up and they're just um having such a great time now jerry typically opens the song but now her lines have been distributed to mel c so um she's singing jerry's parts and not really missing a beat um they're just doing such a great time uh once again the band is killing it they're just having a a blast and like i said one of my favorite spice girls performances just the arrangement of it uh is so good they had done a great way of transitioning from studio to live. And I think their use of the band just makes them sound so rich. And of course, Mel C is on fire. She's killing it at the end with her ad-libs, with the high notes. Uh, the band is jamming out. Excellent performance. Excellent, excellent. Now, we're gonna slow things down. They rush off stage, and there's kind of an interlude. Now we get to see some of the male dancers. The male dancers on this tour are hot, all of them. In fact, Mel B ends up marrying them and has a baby with one of them. He's in there. Ah, oh, gosh, what's his name? Um, well, because she, I know she went from Mel B to Mel G okay so the the uh, dancer here jimmy golzer um he dances with her in this number which is something kind of funny which is from the first album it is an album track uh very funky number in general um i remember reading that initially the spice girls wanted to make r&b music but their R&B music did not sound like, they wanted to make specifically American R&B music. And the producers at the time was like, they didn't make it. In fact, they made their own sound, which is true. And this is something that has elements of American R&B, but is very much like the Spice Girls sound. Like they, they can't help but be anything but pop but they they do this weird thing they they really are like a global sound Which is why I think they were able to reach this level of success. Because their sound is made up of so many different cultures. And they do it, I think, without even intending it to be. You know, some people will go out and they're going to think, I'm going to make this and I'm going to do this specifically. I think they were literally just like wanting to make really good pop music. And this is why I think that they are very talented, because some people, they, they just have that innate knowledge of music. Um, and this is one of those songs that just shows how perfectly they go from making this, like, raucous pop, like, uh, Spice Up Your Life. To something really smooth, almost it's it sounds like something from like the 70s. It always gives me that George Michael sound because George Michael also was influenced by American R&B. so it's just a great song in general. And this is when they start to switch up their outfits, they've changed into some oversized slacks. They look really good, look really cute. Um, Emma has got on some platforms, uh, Mel C shoes look so comfortable. <laughs> Um and they're just dancing and having a a, a good time there. It's a little slower pace, so they're just kind of like jamming out, catching their breaths, you know. Um they still got a lot of show ahead of them. This is a really great transition. Um they do the next song, which is called Do It. Um This is an album track from Spice World, their second album, and is also the first uh, Spice World song of the night. Um... It's a good song. It's not one of my favorites. Uh, Earlier in the tour, they did another album track called Denying. And they also did a B-side called Step to Me. But I kind of like Denying a little bit more. It still has that kind of uh, groove from something kind of funny. It's got like a very uh, American R&B sound. Um but I guess they removed that. I think Do It is a lot more upbeat. It's a cute performance. They're just vamping with the dancers still having a good old time. And then finally, we end this first section. There's not a theme to each section. It's just the girls. I think there's kind of like a mood. I don't really know what this mood is. They start off kind of like aliens. And then they uh transition into like uh chic this is a this is their more uh adult contempo section you know they switch from the metallic outfits the alien look um they put on the the business casual and they look so cute i like victoria's hair her hair is like a a short um kind of like uh like a no, it's kind of like that Rihanna hair, but it's a little bit more floofy. But um, they all look so good. But they go, there's not any kind of like, this is like the section of this. It's just kind of like a different little out change, uh, outfit change. Um, and then they end this section with too much, which is just uh, my, okay, no. That's probably my number one favorite Spice Girl song. feel like some of the cause like too much. Um the album version is very like Motown inspired, like girl group do up, um kind of sound like uh and I feel like some of it gets lost in the live production. I'll say that. Um I think the band kinda over does their uh job here uh it's still a great performance absolutely outstanding vocals by mel c great harmonies by the girls overall um they're sitting down they're taking a breather and this song is like i said i thought it was who do you think you are i think who do you think you are is number two of my favorites but too much is just so beautiful um The Spice Girls' ballads are severely underrated, although I guess depends who you ask because they did go to number one in the UK and and other parts of the world. So maybe they're not underrated, but I think when people look back, they'll always think of like the high octane Spice Girls songs. Uh, But their ballads are so, so good. And this is definitely one of the highlights of the show. Mel C sounds amazing. She is giving emotion in this performance. She's looking into the camera and she's telling you too much of something is bad enough. I mean, she's selling it, girl. She's selling it down. Um, And that's how this section ends. Uh, They get together. They all leave the stage together. And we await for the next segment. So I hope you guys enjoy this. We're taking a little break from the 2000s. And I just want to explore the Spice Girls legacy a little bit, especially with this show and we even got a longer episode today wow pretty fun Um, but thank you again for listening I really appreciate it Um, I look forward to speaking with you next week and we're going to be covering part 2 of the Spice World Tour back in Britain 1998 my name is Justin this is the Y2K Pop Universe see you next time bye